All right. Hey guys, welcome back to the Kick-Ass Stepmom podcast. I'm just pumped that you're here. I'm pumped that you're listening. I am so thrilled about how much you guys have been sharing out these episodes to people in your community. It's not just about stepmom life, guys. This is about thriving amongst the tough stuff. And, you know, that applies to everyone. Stepmoms for sure, but it definitely applies to everyone. So welcome back. Now, I've been thinking about this week's episode for a while now, and I've been on the fence about whether to share it. I'm like, do I share it? Is it too much? Is it too deep? Is it too personal? And then I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to do it. It's important. Um, And what I'm about to share with you has been so pivotal for me that if I can inspire even just one person to do this work too, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth being so vulnerable with you guys. And you know what? This is my story. These are my scars. This is what I've been through. And as I've said in the past, I do have an immense amount of gratitude for the struggles that I've been through in my life because they got me here. I'm a huge believer in the butterfly effect and every decision we make in our life affects the outcome of our life. And all of the decisions and all of the bullshit and all of the struggles that I've been through led me to the life that I have now. So I'm fine with that. Now, I do have to give credit where credit is due. This episode was inspired by a few episodes I've listened to on the Almost 30 podcast, specifically an episode titled Healing the Mother Wound. And guys, if you have had any issues with your parents or struggle with your relationships with your parents, and even if you don't, I highly recommend just listening to this episode. I'm going to link it for you. The Almost 30 podcast is not a podcast just for people who are above 430. The girls who started the podcast, Kristen and Lindsay, they started the podcast before they were 30, but they are in their 30s now, and the conversations they're having are really freaking powerful. So I highly recommend checking that out, and I just want to thank them for inspiring me to just really dig deep and do the work on myself because, yeah, it's it's important. It really is important. So I'll link it for you. I'm rambling because I'm a little nervous about what I'm about to share, but let's just do this. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm Jamie Scrimger, wife, mom, stepmom, life coach, conversation opener, and BS caller. Seven years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor with a glass of wine, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Don't get me wrong. I was madly in love. The kids were great. But as a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I was in over my head. When I went to the internet for support, I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support that I was looking for. Raw and real conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard. But each week I'll bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to help you thrive amongst the tough stuff in life. My goal is to inspire you to live your version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Let's do this. All right. Hey guys, let's do this. Let's dive in. I was really nervous, but then I am talking myself into having this conversation because again, I think it's super important. So we are doing it. Now, before we do, I do have um, something that's been on my mind lately. And I, you know, I'm going to say this and I don't want to offend anyone, but I do think it's an important thing to consider. There are a lot of people online right now, throwing around words like personal development and personal growth and getting into spirituality, which is great. I think it, it's so amazing. But I was talking to my friend Steph actually about this the other day. And my question is, are you really 
doing the work? Are you really into personal development? Are you really into personal growth? Like, I think what people really fully need to understand, especially as this becomes such a trend and so common, which again, I think is amazing, but you need to ask yourself, like, are you actually diving in and doing the work or are you just reading the latest version of a girl wash your face and sharing a few banging quotes on social media and leaving it at that? Because you're not going to see change in your life or your relationships by just reading a book or listening to a podcast episode. I think that's really important to understand. Personal growth is about getting really real with yourself, like really, really freaking real. And it is really freaking uncomfortable. So if you are diving into this stuff and you're not feeling uncomfortable yet, I invite you to dig a little deeper because it's normal to feel that way. That's that's how you want to feel because that's where the change actually happens. And that's where all of the understanding actually comes from. And straight up, guys, I feel really uncomfortable right now but in a really good way. So I just wanted to encourage you to consider that if if that's the path that you're on right now, because again, that's just something that has been on my mind. And another thing actually that struck this whole episode is, you know, I have been diving into the why behind everything that I do. Why am I driven to do what I do? Why have I decided to share so much online? Why am I never satisfied? Why, when I meet one goal, can I not just hang out there for a while? I'm like, okay, what's next? And you know, other questions like, why am I the one who sometimes sabotages things and holds myself back? Why have I always struggled with control? Like, why do I have the anxiety that I do? What about my story and my past is creeping into how I show up right now? And I have a, I love a lot of the qualities that I just mentioned there, minus the control freak and anxiety, obviously, but all of these qualities have served me well. But lately I've been thinking a lot about my childhood and how it has shaped me into this. And I'm saying like the good, the bad, the ugly. And the reason why I have been thinking about this is because I've been reflecting on my goals and what I'm trying to achieve and asking myself, do I want this because I want this? Or do I want these things because I feel like I should want these things or I have something to prove to someone? Is this motivated by my shoulds or like, what's the deal here? And COVID has been a wake up call for a lot of us. And I think that many of us have taken the opportunity to stop and assess life as we knew it and reevaluate what's important to us moving forward, including me. And a few months ago, I realized that I really needed to go back to the drawing board and think about my life. And in thinking about my life, I'm thinking about the things that I really want and really deserve. And whether it's aligned with what I think I want or what I think I should want based on everyone else's expectations or what I think that everyone else's expectations are. And you're probably like, what the hell did you just say there, Jamie? So I'm going to say it again. I've been thinking about the life that I really want and deserve and whether that's aligned with what I think I want or what I think I should want based on everyone else's expectations or what I think that everyone else's expectations are. And to sum that up, it's, is this the life that I want or is this the life that I think I should want? Am I trying to prove something to someone? And in doing this reflection and asking myself these questions, I know a lot of what drives me goes back to the wounds and traumas and experiences I had as a child. And I mean that in no disrespect to my parents. 
it is what it is. We all have our trauma. We all have our messaging and our insecurities and our experiences from our childhood that shape who we are as adults. It's what drives us. But I do have some shit that I went through as a kid that really has affected how I show up in my life. And so I've been asking myself, like, what is subconsciously driving me? Now, my sister Britt was here yesterday. And if you are new here, Britt is also my right-hand woman. She manages this podcast and helps me run this platform. And actually, she's probably listening to me right now thinking, oh my God, Jamie, what are you about to say? (laughs) Where is this episode going? But we were going through some of the captions that I had written out to promote this podcast, actually. And one of them said this. I've been diving into my past a lot lately. Fun fact, most of my family and my small town thought that I'd end up in juvenile detention. As a child, I was so angry about so many things. I couldn't figure out why my family was the way it was. Well, my friends seemed to have families you would see in the after-school specials, and I was stuck hanging out in dysfunction. And she read that caption. She was like, oh my gosh. And we were kind of laughing a little bit, but I've been really diving into that wound and processing my childhood and how it ultimately shaped who I am today in both good ways and in ways that require some healing. So again, we were laughing about the juvenile detention reference. It was exaggeration, but probably pretty true because there were actually a few situations where I legit could have ended up in cuffs. Now here's the backdrop If you are new here, you haven't heard this in the past episode. I'm the oldest of four kids. My parents divorced when I was in the second grade. My youngest sister was about eight months at the time. And they divorced when no one's parents were getting divorced. Like no one got divorced then. And we were the only ones in our small town that I knew whose parents had gone to Splitsville. And it changed everything. Like it changed every single aspect of our life. My family owned grocery stores and we were really well known in the town. There's like 4,400 people. And when they first split, we would only see my dad three weekends out of four. And so this is when there was really no 50-50. In fact, I'm pretty sure my dad fought for it. And his lawyer was like, yeah, you don't even have a chance. So we primarily lived with my mom and I struggled living with my mom. And though I didn't realize it until I was an adult, I really struggled with the divorce. So I'm going to dive into our story here, guys. So buckle up. About a year and a half after the split, my mom moved us all to another small town about 45 minutes away with her new partner, who I couldn't stand, to be quite honest, and really had about zero interest in us. He had four daughters of his own, and I lasted living there probably about eight months before I was finally allowed to go back and live with my dad. So I was in grade four at that time. So most nights when I lived there, I would sneak into the laundry room of this house and call my dad crying and ask him to come pick me up. And I was so bad for my mom. Like, I feel sick about how bad I was for my mom. And I honestly bet I was grounded about seven or eight, seven of eight of the months that I lived there. Like, I was just constantly causing trouble. And one day my mom had just had it. I was so bad. I was crying for my dad and she finally told him to come pick me up. So I packed my bags and I waited on the front porch for him to pick me up. And that was it. I lived with my dad. And I remember, this is funny, his girlfriend at the time was in the car with him when he picked me up. And when we got home, he tucked me into bed and uh, told me that I needed to make sure I was moving in with him for the right reasons. And he said, you shouldn't come live here because you just really like her. And he was talking about his girlfriend. And I remember thinking in my head, I cannot stand her. Like, is she here all the time? (laughs) Anyway, that is a different story for a different day. I lived with my dad 
my brothers and sisters lived with my mom and they came on weekends. And I basically had very little relationship with my mom. I'd see her on the Christmas or holidays, maybe once or twice throughout the year, but our relationship was very, very strained. And looking back, I do think my dad should have encouraged it. And I think he should have fought for me to go see her more. And I think that she should have fought for me more. Um, I was very young to be able to make that decision. Um, But that's just not what happened. They did not have a good relationship based on the divorce. And so it just, it was what it was. So my dad never really remarried and never really recovered from the end of that marriage. So he would have girlfriends and long-term ones. And I always laughed because they would have this two and a half year expiry date. When they would get serious, he'd be like, yeah, no. And that was kind of my childhood in a nutshell. And I have been journaling this out a lot over the last few weeks. And it's felt so therapeutic and so good to look back and assess everything and look at it from a completely different perspective. And I always tell people when they're listening, well, when they're seeking support or stepmoms reaching out to me and they're struggling with their stepkids, I always say like, you need to play the long game and remember that kids are going to look back on their childhood from an adult perspective. And I've been doing a lot of that lately and I have a completely different understanding of what went down and why it went down. So if you are struggling right now, uh, just remember kids are going to look back at their childhood from an adult perspective. And that's typically a really good thing. So you are going to listen to this episode and think, wow, Jamie, this is some pretty deep and personal stuff, or it's going to trigger you to look back on your life and really assess the why that's motivating you. And here's the truth. As a child, I was angry and did not know how to deal with my circumstances in a healthy way. I felt abandoned. I felt unloved by my mom. I felt conditional love for my dad. I was jealous of the life of my friends. And I remember in our public school on Friday, there would be a pizza day and all my mom's old friends who she was friends with before she got divorced would volunteer and make cupcakes and run the lunch. And I was always so upset because I wish that I had one of the moms who would be there. Like I was just this jealous, angry, resentful, insecure kid. And when I went to therapy a few years ago, one of my therapists, Bonnie, shout out to Bonnie, said something that really hit home for me. And she said, as children, we need two things. We need to feel unconditional love and we need to feel like we are safe. And I don't think I ever felt that. I don't think I ever felt fully safe, fully accepted and fully secure. I always thought that someone was going to leave me and I was always just waiting for the other shoe to drop and growing up and even into my adulthood, whenever things were really good or going really well, and this is up to even about five years ago, I'd have this feeling things are too good right now. Something bad is going to happen. And then I'd often unconsciously make that happen by lashing out or ruining a relationship because at least then I was in control. They weren't leaving me. This was all based on my decisions and my actions and you know, I became a huge control freak. I wanted to keep my finger on everything so I wouldn't be blindsided by huge change. It was this way that I could protect myself. And again, looking back, no disrespect to my parents, everyone deals with things in a different way. We're all on our own journey, but there was no one in my life modeling healthy coping skills and no one in my life saying, I'm here for you no matter what. And when I say healthy coping skills, I mean exercise, eating healthy, talking about feelings, And no one showed me how to deal with those big emotions. So there I was, this angry, wounded, sad girl with all of these big emotions and no idea what to do with them and no one showing me what to do with them. 
So I lashed out. I was angry. I had bad behaviors. I could just snap, like seriously, just snap. So I got the reputation of being an angry, bad, damaged child of divorce. Like that was basically how I was viewed or looking back how I feel like I was viewed. No, actually, no, that was how I was viewed. And so I go through high school. I have boyfriends. I'm seeking love and support um, from them that I wasn't feeling at home, which is a different story or different topic for a different day. Again, (laughs) failed some classes, got into trouble, got in some fights, could have been arrested. Uh, And then I ended up really turning it on at the end of high school. And I remember going to a university at our school and leaving the presentation and telling my friend that I want to go there. And one of the girls I'd grown up with, um, but wasn't really friends with anymore, looked back at me and said, you know, you need to get good grades to get into university, right, Jamie? And in my head, I was like, screw you, just watch me. So I turned it on. I boosted my grades to a high 80s average. I got early acceptance into university. And then I remember the summer before I went away, I was at this party and one of my friend's parents asked what I was going to school for. And I told him I was going to school for psychology. And he said, that's weird. Aren't you a little screwed up and crazy yourself? And like looking back, like what adult says that to a child? Like what a dick. And I don't know if he was just drinking at the time or trying to be a dick, but I remember feeling like I had been punched in the gut over and over and over again. And again, I'm like, screw you. But it was like this reputation and this part of me that I couldn't shake. So I left the small town. I met a really great boyfriend, had a great group of friends who are still good friends. We're still great friends to this day and really got my life together. And I thrived in university and I graduated with honors and I worked for my professors as a TA and really loved research and learning about behavior. And I wanted to do my master's, but honestly, I didn't have the money to do that. So sidebar, at this point, my family had gone bankrupt. My dad had lost everything and we really had zero money. Um, As in at that, around that time, I'm pretty sure our water got shut off. So it was basically on me. um, Our water got shut off temporarily. We turned it back on. Um, But it was basically on me to figure out what was next. And I couldn't afford to go to school anymore. So I graduated and one of my cousin's husbands got me a job as an account manager at a bank. So I had a BA in psychology. Um, So by the way, this was not the direction I ever thought I would take. Um, But when I told my family I wanted to do social work or work with people who were struggling, they basically told me I wasn't emotionally stable enough. So I went and did this instead. Another sidebar, don't let your family tell you what your career should be because they don't really know. So I get this job at the bank. I'm like 21, but look like I'm 17. And I freaking hated it. I was good at it, but I hated it. Plus, people really didn't want to talk about their mortgage with someone who was struggling to figure out how to pay their student loans. Like, I was just a baby at the time. And so my first manager was a man, and he was amazing and supportive and really pumped me up about this career. And I did really, really well under him. But then I got transferred to another bank, and everything changed. My manager at the time was a woman, and she was not supportive, and she did not like me. And some women can be just brutal to other women. And this was a textbook case of workplace bullying. And I was so mad that I got transferred for the longest time because I wondered what my career could have looked like if I stayed at that original bank under that supportive atmosphere. But now looking back, I'm so happy that happened because corporate is just not my thing. 
So here's a little glimpse of what that looked like. She would go and buy everyone in the office coffee and not get me anything. She would criticize what I wore and told me it wasn't a fashion show and that I was dressing inappropriate, even though I literally bought an entire new wardrobe to meet the dress code at the bank. When I would win awards or competitions for like visa sales or something like that, she wouldn't even tell me that I won. I would hear from other people in the bank. And here's the real kicker. So I gained weight when I left university. And one day she told me that my pants were inappropriately tight. But it wasn't that I was trying to be skanky. I literally had just gained some weight. And she was just, honestly, she was just so offside and unsupportive in so many situations. And uh, it was just not, I don't know. I just felt like I was back in high school again. And I'd have this pit in my stomach when she would walk into the room. And again, I'm so grateful that she was so brutal because my life may have taken a completely different direction if I stayed in that position, but I didn't. I quit. I quit. I said, screw it. I said, screw you. I got in my car and I drove home listening to Sugarland Ain't Settling with the windows down and I felt so freaking good. But it was in the eyes of other people, another case of Jamie screwed up again. Who gets a job with a great company with tons of growth opportunity right out of university and quits? Jamie. So um, I decided I was going to move across the country and start over. I give up my apartment and I move. No money, by the way. No job, no place to live. I was going to live with a friend from high school and my family had this big going away dinner and I hopped on a plane and I moved out west. And when I got there, I realized I had no freaking plan. And as much as no freaking plan seemed like this glamorous, spontaneous thing to do, When I decided to do it, when I actually did it, I was like, holy shit, I'm screwed. So I realized I had no way of looking for a job, no car, no money, lived outside the city, could never afford to live in Vancouver on my own. And then the friend who I was living with was having a guy come over for the weekend and asked if I had somewhere I could go. And I was like, what do you mean somewhere I can go? I was like, what? No, I'm supposed to live here. This is supposed to be my new home. So she asked if I could get a hotel for a week. And instead I called my sister crying and hopped on a plane and she picked me up. So I screwed up again. Well, it's 2021. 2020 is behind us. And chances are you are setting some goals or resolutions or intentions or whatever you want to call it for this year. If you're a stepmom, you may also be thinking about ways you can minimize your step family's stress and or improve your relationships this year? If so, I have something for you. I just released a free ebook with 16 questions that stepmoms craving change need to ask themselves. As Dr. Phil says, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. And this is such a great time to do an audit on your step family life so you can set the foundation to improve things in 2021. Yes, you heard me. You need to set the foundation for change. Now, if you're content feeling overwhelmed, like you have no control of your life, damned if you do, damned if you don't, like you don't know your place, like your step family stressors are consuming your life and driving a wedge in your marriage and are fine in a high conflict co-parenting situation, you just keep doing what you're doing. But if you are ready to feel happier, confident, and more in control amongst the extra stress, download your copy at www.jamiescrimshaw.com forward slash stepmom audit. That's www.jamiescrimshaw.com forward slash stepmom audit. I had quit my job. I had no money. I had blew all the money that I did have by flying back and forth to Vancouver, racked up my credit card. 
um, literally moved there for about five minutes. And I felt like I was the biggest loser. And for a while, I just hung out in my dad's basement like a slug. I just felt so crappy about myself. And then I decided to make a plan. I was going to do what I wanted to do and not what anyone else thinks I should do. So I went back and waitressed for the summer. And I had always worked with this amazing family um, throughout university in Grand Bend. Shout out to the Growling Gator. Uh, You guys are amazing. And uh, so I did that. I went back there. I applied to a post-grad diploma for social service work and then planned a volunteer trip to Kenya um, in an orphanage. And I, again, literally not doing my research because I just make rash emotional decisions. I literally saw that a friend of a friend had gone to Kenya and volunteered at this grassroots orphanage. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. So guys, I seriously just got on a plane and hooked up with someone who I had met on Facebook and she picked me up and I went to this orphanage without the backing of any organization or anything. So a little crazy. It was an awesome experience, but anyway, again, a different story for a different day. This is all while everyone in my life thinks that I am, again, making rash emotional decisions and a complete screw up. And honestly, I was just embarrassed and in damage control mode. Anyways, I go to Kenya ran some fundraisers for the orphanage I was staying at, get my diploma, get a job at Children's Aid, which is Canada's Child Protective Services. My boyfriend at the time and I break up and my sister and I get an apartment in the city. I start online dating and finally getting my shit together. And, you know, actually that's just a quick summary of a few year period. Looking back, I realized that I spent my whole life subconsciously trying to prove that I wasn't a complete screw up And then I was moving in the right direction while still thinking to myself and believing myself that I was a complete scrub. And even though it seems like I was getting my life together and I felt like I was getting my life together, I would have relapses because I still didn't have the skills to deal with those big emotions, the anger, the frustration, the fear. This came out by trying to control everything. I'd have angry outbursts followed by huge remorse and a desire to change, but no idea how to do it. And I end up just getting involved in other people's drama too, trying to solve their problems, just trying to prove to myself again that I could help people and that I wasn't just a complete freaking mess. At this point, I didn't have any of the insight that I have now. I just knew I had major anxiety, major control issues, major angry outbursts. Now let's insert Darren. (laughs) Darren is my husband, by the way. So I had always had the hugest crush on Darren. And when I saw him in passing, anytime before we got together, my stomach would drop. Like there was just this thing about him. Like I've just always loved Darren. So on a walk with my dog one day, someone tells me that he had recently split from his wife. And I'm thinking, really? So at this point, all I know about him is that he gives me mega butterflies. So I add him on Facebook. And he messages me and asks if I want to go for dinner and we go on our first date and we talk all night. He picked me up at 6 PM and I didn't get home until after midnight. And we literally talked about everything by our third date. I'm in love. I decided I was going to marry this recently separated man with three kids and an ex-wife. We started dating in March. I move in in July, engaged in October, married in June, a month into our relationship. He says to me, what would you say if I told you that I'm in love with you? And I responded, I'd say I have loved you for a while. I was all in. And in the eyes of my family, it's another 
rash, emotional decision by Jamie without fully thinking about the long-term consequences. Marrying a man, a recently separated man with three kids and an ex, sounded like a recipe for a disaster. Also, my dad never settled down himself, so, and he was this textbook bachelor, and he honestly thought that Darren was like him, and he did not want me to experience that. So he really had lumped Darren into the same category as him, and he did not want this for his kids. Like, my parents both had different reasons why they were not on board with this new relationship. But again, it was another situation where I just needed to prove to everyone that I'm not a screw-up, which when I dive into the story I'm telling myself, I'm not. I feel pretty good about the life that I've created and the lessons I've learned, but that's just where I was at that time. Now, I've gone to a lot of therapy. I have done a lot of personal development. I have had to work really hard to stop being a control freak and to stop trying to sabotage things. I've had to reprogram how I think about myself and reassure myself that I'm not a screw-up. And I deserve happiness and I deserve a happy, healthy family. And I swear, guys, if I hadn't done the work that I did when Darren and I got together, it totally would have been another situation where Jamie screwed up again. And this process all started with a man named Bruce. So before Darren and I got married, I decided to go see a therapist, Bruce. So Bruce looks exactly how you would think a therapist would look. His office was dark with a leather couch and a chair and a desk, and he would sit on the chair And there was a clock behind me while I sat on the couch and we would talk for an hour. And it's funny, when you go into therapy, you often end up talking about things that you didn't think you'd end up talking about and realize that your issues don't stem from the things or what you think they do. And with Bruce, we talked about my relationship with my mom, which had always been strained. And I talked a lot about how I felt like she wasn't showing up for me in ways that I needed her to show up and the relationship I wanted and thought I needed wasn't my reality. And I was, I was pissed about it. Now, Bruce validated these feelings and listened. And he helped me realize that my relationship with my mom and my dad and my unmet needs of love and safety as a child led me to be the control freak and angry person that I had become. And then a couple sessions in, Bruce asked me about the good things about my mom. And I was so annoyed I was like, Bruce, buddy, you hearing me here? Our relationship is shit. She is shit. (laughs) And he's like, no, Jamie, there are good times. There are good qualities. There are good things. What are they? And after some reluctance on my part, we dove into those things. And he was right. There were a lot of good things. I was focusing so much on how our relationship wasn't meeting my needs instead of how it was. And that's a big take home for anyone who's listening to this right now. With that relationship with my mom, we talked about the importance of focusing on the good. We talked about having boundaries and when it's good, being there for it and being all in. And then when I'm feeling triggered or an interaction isn't positive, taking space and doing that with love. And we also talked about the importance of approaching everything with love, compassion, and strong boundaries, of course. But looking for the good and just setting boundaries when you feel like your needs aren't being met in that relationship. And I can't even do this conversation the justice that it needs because it literally just changed everything and it changed my relationship with my mom. Anyway, Darren and I get married. Like I said, both my parents were not totally on board with me marrying this man who's 13 years older than me with three kids and an ex. They had reservations for different reasons, but I was in love and in this whirlwind and I didn't care. 
So the wedding was kind of awkward with both my parents there and they never really got along, didn't co-parent or communicate ever. And we had to basically sit them at different tables where they couldn't see each other. And my anxiety at our wedding was literally through the roof because I was in my head thinking that everyone thought I was going to fail and that I moved too fast. And here Jamie goes again, what a screw up. And I was so caught up in that story that affected my ability to be present that day. Fun fact, in my dad's wedding speech, he actually told everyone that he told me that he didn't think I should marry Darren, but I didn't listen. Yeah, like he said that in front of the whole room. It was a really uh, special moment. But, you know, all those unproductive and unhealthy insecurities were popping up. But the day was awesome. So fun. And I'm going to do a podcast about our wedding day one day. But here's just a glimpse of what life looked like afterwards. Darren and I get married. In June, we are pregnant with our daughter, Reese, in August. So within a year and a half, I went from single, living life in the city, doing daily yoga, to a wife, a mom of one, and a stepmom of three. Again, I go all in. I'm trying to be the perfect stepmom, the perfect wife, the perfect mom. I didn't want anyone to know that inside I was screaming because everyone thought I was in over my head and I didn't want anyone to know that they were right. I didn't know what the heck I was doing and I was just on the struggle bus. So here's the thing though, guys, let me tell you something. Trying to be perfect is exhausting and it backfires too. As soon as you let go of trying to be perfect and having it together all the time, life becomes more perfect. It feels so much better. So if you are trying to be perfect right now and don't want anyone to know that you're struggling, let it go. Seriously, trust me, it makes such a huge difference. So we're married. We have Reese. I still have all the trauma from my past. I'm carrying it around with me. I'm a control freak, sabotaging things when they get too good because I don't want anyone to leave me and I'm going to leave them. Even in my head, I think my relationship with Darren is too good to be true. I have anger, insecurities, anxiety, nice little cocktail of my childhood trauma. And one day Darren and I are arguing and we had been arguing a lot about the kids and our different parenting styles and the co-parenting stress. And it had just been this huge adjustment for me. And I had zero experience with kids. And I was also super overwhelmed with the baby because I didn't have any experience with babies either. It was just so much. And in a heated argument, Darren says to me, I'm not leaving you. So stop trying to make me. And it was like, holy shit. It was the first time in my life I felt like someone fully loved me unconditionally and they were going to be there for me no matter what. And it was uncomfortable though, because I had never felt that way before. And I had also never had anyone call me out about my self-sabotaging tendencies. And it, it was just huge. Like in that moment, I realized that in my whole life, I had never fully felt loved and never fully felt safe in that capacity. And looking back, it's so sad to think about because I just would never want my daughter or my stepkids to ever feel that way. But it was just like, wow. So that was this huge pivotal moment in my personal growth. Insert therapy round two, Bonnie. I thought I was going to go in again and talk about my mom and my abandonment issues and my need to control things. But in this therapy session or these sessions, we went into other aspects of my childhood that I never thought about before. And it's really interesting what our brain does. I never thought my parents' divorce affected me until I was an adult. If you would have asked me, even as I was like 18, 19, 20, I would have never said that. I would have said I didn't care and it was no big deal. Kids are resilient, no big deal. 
But at that point, I was silently realizing that it did. But I had never realized that I had expressed that out loud as a child. I had thought that I had hit it, but it turns out I did. So I was at this family gathering with my aunt around the same time, and we start talking about how my about my parents and kids who were going through a divorce. And I said, well, it never really affected me as a kid. And she was like, Jamie, what? You were distraught. And she started telling me about these times when I'd be crying uncontrollably and I'd have to get picked up from school. And I thought my parents were going to leave me. And all of these emotionally charged stories that I had no idea about. And I have such a great memory too, which is crazy Because obviously I repressed all of these things because I couldn't handle them. I couldn't handle having these memories. And these are things that I went through when I was, you know, very young. But they were obviously there and they were obviously affecting me. And so with Bonnie, we dove into my childhood with my dad. My dad never moved on with someone and never had a healthy long-term relationship. So I was never shown what a healthy partnership looked like. My dad is also not the most emotional guy, so I had zero emotional support, and I couldn't really talk to anyone about anything. I didn't have that safe place to go. I also had zero support about health and a healthy lifestyle and coping and friendships and healthy relationships. Plus, there was a huge part of me that felt sorry for my dad growing up because ultimately my mom had chosen to live him, and I knew he had never really recovered. And as a child, I didn't understand this, and I wanted to protect my dad. As an adult, looking back, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I get that. So as I talked to Bonnie, she made me see that my controlling ways actually stemmed from me trying to keep my dad safe and protect him and protect myself. I wanted to have control over everything for that reason. And, you know, man, Bonnie, I never thought we were going there, but we did. And it basically opened up this other wound that I had and I didn't know existed. And I had to start to grieve the loss of the childhood that I really needed and what I really wish I had. Again, looking back, I realized how much anxiety and anger I had through my entire childhood and my entire adulthood. And I've been grieving the relationships with my family that I wish I had, grieving the parents I wish I had, grieving the family I wish I had. So much grief and so many wounds. And man, that's a hard thing for a little kid. And it's also hard as an adult to look back on that and really see things for what they were. And when you look at it from this outside perspective, it's crazy how much more that you see. So this has been a huge process for me. And it's been hard and uncomfortable and so freeing too. Because as an adult, I can see that all adults are on their own path, learning lessons, you know, overcoming their past traumas doing the best with what they have. And sometimes it comes down to capacity. I don't think my parents ever intended for me to feel this way. And I'm sure if they listened to this, they would feel sad for this little girl. Just like I'm sure there are things that Darren and I are doing unintentionally that affect our kids now. Like it's everyone's just on their own journey. And I think as parents, we're just trying to figure this thing out. Just like my parents were dealing with their own trauma, trying to figure their own shit out. Anyways, this left me with some personal stuff to process, and it's really just about accepting people for who they are versus who I want them to be. I'm just going to say that again. It's about accepting people for who they are versus who I want them to be. And that lesson has been huge and hard. 
And this whole process of diving into my past and understanding why I'm the way I am and what drives me and what triggers me has been this crazy, again, and freeing process. And I'm in doing this, I've realized that there's a huge part of me that is still driven by trying to show people that I'm not a freaking screw up and this angry child of divorce. And I've also realized that there's a part of me that was still buying into the messages and the messaging that I had been given as a child. You're not good enough. You're not worthy of huge success. You are a screw up. You're always going to screw things up. Even though I didn't consciously have these thoughts, it's made me realize that there's still a bit of that messaging in me now. And that messaging is holding me back. And that's why I get in my own way. And that's why I still self-sabotage from time to time. And I do think, guys, if you truly want to thrive and level up, you have to really look into that stuff and dissect the messages and the stories you've been told and been telling yourself your whole life. You've got to reprogram. Is this true? Where does this come from? What is the truth? What lies am I believing about myself? Who do I need to forgive? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to acknowledge? And it's freaking heavy. And there's this part of me that's not allowing me to take things to the next level and really go for the things that I want to go for. And I could never figure out what was blocking me until the last couple of years. And it's like these messages, this is how I've been standing in my own way. We go through things and we don't look back. But sometimes, well, a lot of times, you have to look back to fully move forward. Anyways, I wanted to share that with you. It has been a process of a few years, therapy, reflecting, journaling, getting really honest about the stories that I've been telling myself and stories that people have been telling me. And that's my story. That is my story in a nutshell. And it's some pretty deep shit. And doing this is not for everyone. It may be for you. It may not be for you. But, you know, healing those childhood wounds and healing the trauma that we have as, you know, in our childhood, I really do think it's the key. And that's the stuff that's holding so many of us back. So with that... I'm going to wrap this up. Hopefully you found this long-winded story about my process helpful. Maybe it's inspired you to do some digging yourself. But, you know, guys, I do think if you want change, you need to get uncomfortable. You really need to do the work and you really need to not focus on what everyone else is doing or what everyone else has done to affect your life. If you want change, it's on you. It really, really is. All right. Chat with you in the next one. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast. Give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week. 